0: Um, you know, as, as uh, uh, Jeremy just said, uh, we met at Starbucks. And sort of I almost feel my life in the U.S. took off at a coffee shop. And I came to the U.S. Um, about nine years ago now. And I'd never been out of India before. And I came to school and I used to do a lot of my homework and everything at a coffee shop. This was in Monterey down south. And I started meeting a whole bunch of people at the coffee shop. And I really enjoyed it because I found that as a way to unlearn everything that I had grown to know in India and uh, come to the United States where everything was different. You know, you drive on the right-hand side. In India, you drive on the left-hand side. You turn on the light here by going upwards, not downwards. You know, I didn't know what a latte was, for example. So the only way for me to... I still <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure it out. So the only way for me to unlearn all the cultural stuff that I had grown up with and learn everything new in the United States, I found the best route was to just have a lot of people around me and embrace the system and the people around me. And uh, so that's how my coffee shop life took off, and I really enjoyed it. And um, after I finished school, I was what I uh, officially say I was CEO of Vocationally Challenged Inc. I was unemployed Um, for almost three years during the last downturn. So that is a long three years, but also, in hindsight and during the time, the best time, the best thing that ever happened to me um, because I learned a lot of things that I didn't know about myself and also, of course, then I bumped into the whole social networking space mm-hmm. where I really, you know, dug my teeth in. So I started using LinkedIn in 2003, went and worked there in 2004 when there were about 20 people approximately and one and a half million users and eventually I left in 2006. Um, but when I was unemployed too, I used to hang out a lot at a Starbucks. This is up in Portland, Oregon. And I met a whole bunch of people there. And it's just pretty amazing how much I learned through other people. And part of it was just to cut down the curve. So, you know, if you've made so many mistakes, why do I want to repeat it? If you can tell me not to do that, that makes it very, very effective. Um, so, the reason why I'm telling you the coffee shop story is because It was the social element of who I was, but it was all offline. And then of course I went online with LinkedIn and now Twitter and all kinds of tools and Facebook, etc. But I still haven't given up the coffee shop socializing, if you will. So so let me tie that in into the title, The Cat, the Dog, and Web 2.0. These are just some thoughts and I'd love to hear if you guys experience the same. Um, do you uh, see the same kind of transition that's happening, or not? Uh, but for me, what I kept seeing was um, there. Are, well, let me first start. How many people have a cat? Here. Okay. And how many people have a dog? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so to me, it was, and I, and we have two cats right now, and it's a constant decision not to go for a dog right now because it's a lot of commitment. And so there are the cat people, or if you have a cat, it's very low maintenance. You know, you don't have to do much. You put a little bowl of water and some food, and the cat goes and eats, and sometimes they'll come to you, and sometimes they'll not. And if you want to go out, you can easily go out for a day or two, and they would be fine if you just leave a whole lot of food and water in a litter box. But for a dog, you can't do that. You have to be committed, you have to be involved, and you actually need to go take them out for a walk. So what I started seeing was, the whole Web 2.0 thing, I felt was almost becoming like a cat person, where you just add friends. It was all asynchronous for me. You add a friend, and that's it. And you, maybe you leave a comment here or there on a the wall. You send a tweet, which is 140 characters, and that's about it. Very low touch, low commitment relationship. But if you're a dog person you want to embrace and meet people, which means synchronous stuff, which means you actually schedule time, you go out and meet people, you actually need to go physically meet them, you need to actually schedule something in your calendar, you've got to go back and forth on that, and then maintain that relationship offline, which is, you know, pretty high uh, touch involvement, if you will. So the way I see it is I just merge both of them together, so I do not at all give up on what happens in my life offline, but I love the way the social media and social networks allow me to reach people and find people who I couldn't have found before. And so I will engage with them extensively on social networks virtually first because that's the easier way and you have more mind share. And then once you do engage with them, you get to know what they're doing and what they're not, you can say, hey, do you think it's possible to now have a face-to-face? And I really try hard to try and meet one or two people at least a month in terms of whom I met online if you will. And so those are the kind of thoughts that, you know, um, a lot of people say, well this is leading to isolation. I, I don't know if you guys recently saw the Pope saying, you know, be careful you know, it can lead to isolation. And it may be relevant for some people if you're just sitting in behind your computer and, you know, sort of feeling you're connected with people, but are you genuinely connected? You know, are you making friends or are you adding friends? Um, so I'm definitely in the camp of making friends, but I start off by adding friends initially and engage with them there to eventually lead to making a friend for a long-term purpose. Um, so if, if I look at all the, uh, the notion of social behavior, you know, it's for me, uh, part of it is cultural. I think I come from a culture which is very family-oriented. So, you know, parents are very important, your friends, your brothers, etc., and you grow up in a nuclear family. And so for me, people have always been the number one thing. Uh, I attribute everything I'm doing right now to my parents. I wouldn't have been able to come to the U.S. if they hadn't taken out the loans, etc., etc., and took me to school uh, here. So for me, nothing trumps more than the right people around you. And the way I learned when I came to the U.S. was having, quote-unquote, social networks, if you will, you know, I adopted a mom here in America who would teach me about the politics. I didn't know how the House was set up. I didn't know how the Senate was set up, what it meant, how did a bill pass through. So I had an 80-year-old mom, if you will, who I actually, you know, informally adopted as my American mom. And so anytime I had a political question, you know, I would go and ask her something. And then I had a 13- or 14-year-old mentor, if you will, again, a teenager, who would teach me what fat meant and what sick meant. And You know, coming from India, I have no idea if someone saying, that's so fat, dude. I'm like, okay, um, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. So now imagine I'm on the street and I have no idea, um, you know, to go get, you know, I go. I want to get a cup of coffee, that's all I want. But I go into a coffee shop and there's this huge menu of stuff that I have never been exposed to. So there were all these new things that were hitting me all the time, it made it extremely exciting. Um, so to do that, I had all these quote-unquote social networks of experts, if you will, who I said, okay, you know this stuff really well, can you teach me? And I still do that all the time, and even today, and I can't imagine ever to stop doing that. So one of the, you know, fundamental uh, quotes that I live by is by Bob Dylan, who says, if you're not busy being born, you're busy dying. And I strongly believe in that, and I'm almost obsessed with that. And that's one of the reasons why I sit and read the Wall Street Journal cover to cover, because when I came to America, one of the professors in school said, well, if you want to learn about business in America, you should read the Wall Street Journal. I said, okay, and I'm going to try that. And I started reading it, and I really loved what I read, because it was written in a language that anyone, even grandma, could pick up an article and understand how affiliate marketing was done, or how the spiffs were done for marketing. I had no idea. I had no exposure to all that stuff. So, so the Wall Street Journal is you know, one avenue of learning, but then I started also tapping into people and growing my network of people who could teach me in finances, people who could teach me on private equity, people who could teach me on venture financing, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had all these people that I could always go to, and, but I built that relationship over time. The other thing is, um, in terms of just the fundamentals of social behavior, if you will, and I think it's applicable online and offline, is what I call collateral success. I never focus on my success. The focus is completely on the success of the person who you're trying to engage with. Your success might happen and maybe be incidental, but that's not your goal. The goal is to make you know, Brian successful, Jeremy successful, or that VC successful, or that engineer successful. Because at the end of the day, there's a single motivation that all of us have. And it's what, do you, what makes you successful. And that doesn't have to be always be money at all. Someone could be happier because they engage with someone you know, who is down to earth or they want to meet someone who they haven't had exposure to about a specific field. So that aspect of collateral success is what I embrace all the time on social media is tell me what makes you successful. What, what do you do every day that will just make you go back home and say, wow, that is a phenomenal day? Once I have that answer, and you may not necessarily ask, you may not uh, necessarily have the chance to ask directly, but tools like Twitter, for example, are great ways to learn that because all you're doing is listening. So you're not necessarily, and that is why I love Twitter, is because you watch and you listen. That's all you do. You don't necessarily have to engage with them, but they're telling you a lot in their body language in terms of what they want. And they're not explicitly stating that I want to be the most popular guy, I want to be this blogger, or I want to you know, raise money, etc. But you know what they're engaging and what excites them. So all you do is listen, and you follow them really closely. And then over time, you start getting a good grasp of you know, what is it that you want to engage with on with that person. And if you can, provide some certain value. Um, so identifying <clears throat> who are those people that you want to engage with is important. And everyone has a different motivation. I think of engaging with people. You know, maybe you're a startup. You want to raise capital, so maybe you want to engage with VCs. Uh, maybe you are seeking engineers. Maybe you're seeking designers. Maybe you're seeking you know marketing uh, partnerships, etc. And then you would have to though identify who are the right people to get to that aspect where you start understanding what they do. And so. So that's really, really critical, at least in the way I use offline and online. So to me, all of the online stuff is basically nothing but a way to reach out to people and then take them offline. And so this is just a way to continuously sort of be in a periphery. So I, I don't know if you guys have heard this quote from Jay-Z, but you know he says, I am not a businessman. I am a businessman. So I'll (laughs) write it. Maybe it'll help. And that's, you know, really, really powerful because, especially in the social space, every individual is becoming a product. You know, because why should I engage with you? Why should I buy what you're selling? And you're basically pretty much selling yourself at that time when you initially try and engage with these guys. So to me, this whole aspect of social media is really, really becoming relevant, at least with, especially with a certain group of people, if you want to tap into them, whether they're very influential people, etc. They are a product, you are a product, and why should you two engage together? So trying to almost understand the anatomy of social behavior offline, you know, how do people communicate? And if you look at offline communication, about 7% is words, and about probably like 30% or 35% is the tone of your voice, and about 55% is body language. So how do you transfer that online where a lot of the body language is hard to decipher? Uh, a lot of it is just by listening on tools like Twitter or Facebook, etc., when they update their status messages. To me, that's a little bit of a good hint of the body language that they're trying to say and the way they write it, the way they say it, etc. And so to try and do that from an interactivity perspective, I was thinking about you know, coming here. If you're building something that's interaction, for me, at least socially offline, the interaction is a lot about body language. You know, how much does this person actually make eye contact with me? You know, how is he sitting? I mean, it's not things that I know that, oh, you're, you know, your elbow's pointing that way. That means you're not engaged or anything. But there's just the gut feeling that I have. So in a web design too perspective or a web experience, to me a lot of it is about that body language that you feel as soon as you come on that site. So on Twitter, it's, they've just made it really easy and said, you know what, it's not so hard to come up to me at a bar and speak to me. It's okay, you can come on. Whereas at a bar, you know, if you have to actually go meet someone, you're going to hesitate, you're not sure, you know, if they're meeting in a group and they're just talking away, well, you're going to feel very uncomfortable just going and introducing yourself. But Twitter said, well, you don't need to be in one closed group like that. It's all open. Come on in into a conversation. And you could start doing that. So there are various forms of looking at you know, what I like to see it as is just observance of social behavior offline and online. Um, you know, it's uh, Some kind of takeaways in terms of I don't know if it's valuable and maybe you're already using it, but I, I want to just tell you what are the tools I use so real hands-on sort of takeaways, if you will. Uh, you know, the social convergence and s- philosophical talk we can have at Starbucks or anytime, anywhere, you know. Uh, it's I think it's a matter of time. But the tools I use, which have been very powerful for me and what we've done for Crossloop, and um, mm-hmm. how I do it. So I'll, I'll talk about those too. Um, and if someone has no questions, I could just jump into that. Okay, so So tools-wise, I don't think anything is going to be like, whoa, I never heard of it. So in Twitter, I use TweetDeck. And I'll tell you how and why I use all these. I use Twitter Feed, the Facebook app, and Friend Feed. These are the key core things, if you will. so I use TweetDeck because it's really powerful in terms of filtering. So I have I follow about 350 people or so. Now not all of them I want to completely be focused on. So let's say I have a you know filter of my favorites, if you will. I want to make sure that I'm learning from them what they're posting, what they've written, um, because I can learn from them. And you know, they're they're spending a lot more time on these things than learning all of it. So can I again cut that curve and jump ahead by just learning from what they've spent hours and hours trying to figure out? Um, So TweetDeck is great because it allows you to create a group. You can create your filter and you say, this is my favorite group and I want to follow just these 10 people no matter what they tweet. I want to watch what's going on. I want to hear what they say. Um, So I use that extensively. And it also has a tweet scoop, which is basically a trending thing and you want to watch what people are talking about. So that is also really relevant. Especially if you want to see what's going on and how is it all working. Like, for example, there was an article in an um, Ad Age about Super Bowl ads. The bloggers are not that uh, excited about it, it seems, but they're also expecting it to take a, have a good traction because now Twitter's growth. And then I went and looked at the Twitter trends, and yes, Super Bowl was being talked about a lot. Um, so, TweetDeck really helps you kind of do it all in one kind of console in one spot. Twitterfeed.com is uh, more of a tool to stitch your other services that you use into Twitter. So if you have a blog, um, if you have anything that has an RSS feed. uh, Delicious uh, is another tool that I use a lot, um, so I'll just put it here because it ties in. Um, So that has an RSS feed, you know, we have our own blog, which right now we're just using six apart, type pad. So what happens is um, Twitter feed allows you to tie any RSS feed into your Twitter account automatically. So if I blog on a corporate blog, anything, you know, product update, you know, growth, press mention, as soon as I hit submit and post or publish, it goes immediately to my Twitter account and goes out as a tweet. So it's not me manually tying in the link there. The same thing with Delicious. The, what I do with Delicious is I find Delicious extremely powerful. Um, so with Delicious, um, I have a Delicious badge on Crossloop, on the blog. And anything that is relevant to Crossloop, whether it's a blog review, press mention, etc., I want to bookmark it for myself. So I will bookmark it to a Crossloop account, and as soon as I bookmark it, because it's an RSS feed and it's tied to a Twitter feed, it goes to my Twitter account, it goes to my blog, and it goes to friend feed. So think of it as a distribution channel, pretty much. all with mm-hmm. each other, you don't have it showing up once because you bookmarked it, and then on the blog, and then on Twitter feed twice, once because you bookmarked it, and once because it's on the blog? Yeah, so I keep those separate. So and the delicious, the way I do it is that it's primarily, so yeah, so you got a good point. So I mean, if you're not watching it, and so let's say on friend feed you can easily do something that goes back to Twitter. So then you could go into this ridiculous cycle. And I actually went through it, and I learned that's not the way to do it. No, people actually, (laughs) one guy called me, he's like, can you turn that off? Because I've had that like 15 times already. Um, And that's what it is all about. You know, you you keep doing everything. You try new tools, new services, and you see how it all works out or not. And I changed my username on Twitter yesterday and it broke a lot of other services that I've gotten tied in. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that's how it works. So you learn all those things. Um, But what's really powerful is that now any user who comes to CrossLoop sees these reviews. That third party people have written about. Um, so they see it there. They obviously anyone who's following me on Twitter will get that. And on, on Friend Feed too. Um, but what I do with Delicious is also how you organize your stuff is really cool. Um, so even on Twitter, if someone says cross loop rocks, for example, you know, I'll obviously favorite it there, but I'll also bookmark that link on Delicious. And then I will tag it you know, your account, and then I have Twitter here. Now, why do I need to even put it on Delicious? Because it's really powerful to collect third-party testimonials, if you will. They're tweets. They're not by people who I know. They're just random people who are either recommending CrossLoop, et cetera. They're testimonials, live testimonials. This is not a quote that I'm putting on my website from, you know, you don't know. You, you see quotes on websites all the time, but you're like, okay whatever that's worth. So and I so now I have a really nice easy URL to aggregate everything that people are saying on Twitter and send to anyone I want to. So you know let's say PR people want to know, you know, and then you've got this really nice thing and say, you know, just in case you want to know what people are telling talking about cross loop, check this out. You know, if you find anything that's bad, you know, let me know, but you're not going to find anything bad. Um, so so aggregating this is really important. So then you do the same thing whether you're if it's mainstream media, you know, I'll tag it with MSM. And so I have a really nice aggregated place of collecting all my stuff. You know, whether it's international reviews, I'll use international. So at any time I will know how to get to whatever I've collected. Uh, six apart, of course, is the, uh, the blogging tool. I personally use Vox and TypePad is uh, what we use uh, uh, on our corporate blog today. Um, Facebook is also another cool thing in the sense that you know I push my status updates to Twitter using this tool. So everything you do on Facebook can easily be switched stitched to Twitter by just again using the RSS feeds. Your status update is an RSS feed, your posted items is an RSS feed, so you use Twitter feed and you stick it into Twitter so every time I share something on Facebook, whether it's a blog post, a photo, a video, what have you, automatically goes to Twitter itself. Now you can choose how you want to do it. If you want to let people on Twitter know this is something you pushed from Facebook, Twitter feed allows you to say this is a blog post, this is a Facebook post, etc. So you can choose however you want to do it. Uh, and then there are Facebook apps, of course, so you know, I use the friend feed app on Facebook to get all my tweets into Facebook. So on Facebook I have 900 plus friends, on Twitter I have 850 or so followers. Um, so that I'm trying. what I'm trying to do is make sure that I'm not repeating stuff with everyone and at the same time keeping it very personal too. And they all know of course I'm going to be telling you about CrossLoop and how cool it is and it's the best thing in the world but at the same time I'm making sure that I'm adding value to them not just by talking about CrossLoop all the time. You know, I'll share anything that's really cool and that interests me, whether it's philosophy, whether it's psychology, you know, whether it's an economist article or the Wall Street Journal article, and I'll ask questions, you know, and try and get a feel of what people uh, uh, feel about it. And so, so basically figuring out how you want to use these tools together is, is really, really powerful. Um, to me, you know, one big thing is, you know, the how that I just told you about, you know, if you scramble these words, it's basically, who? You know, so at the end of the day, how you use all these things is the, really tied into who you want to really engage with. Did you have someone when came to the US help you with trying to figure out how to letters? What's that? When you came to the US, did you have someone a <laughs> friend that helped you? With Actually help you? here's here's another really cool one which adopted dad. <laughs> so that's my last name. <laughs> and that, so so, that's a very common last name in India. A lot, you can imagine, like there are hundreds of millions who probably have that name. And I got here, and my wife now, and I was, uh, we met in school, and you know, we dated for a few years, and she's American, and she's white, if you will. She had to tell me, you know what? Our last name actually stands for ideas. I'm like. Wow, <laughs> this is such an old Indian name, but it took this you to kind of great. look at it. yeah, this is cool. So anyway, I, I love using words and and taglines and you know trying to figure out what actually communicates powerful things. So as what's that? I don't actually play those as much. maybe I should. So you know as I was talking thinking about you know uh, coming here, so you know one big part for me uh, so one thing I Toy around is what I call a little bit of a pun is you media instead of new media. You know, it's all becoming social. You are the media today. You are the one who's going to tell people. You know, what's the coolest thing and how is it going to be viral using Facebook, etc. Understanding the anatomy of how Facebook works, how feeds work, how does that all transfer over? So I call that new media. Uh, So you know, if you look at Everything, it's you, I, and then that basically becomes equal to we. So I said today's UI needs to be all about we. So the user interface that you have about web services today needs to be consolidated in such a way that as soon as you come in, you feel you're a part of this community where you can engage with anyone you want. you want, you feel comfortable, you don't feel bizarre like, oh, no one's really talking to me. You know, how do you make that first experience the absolute best? Um, let me uh, draw an analogy here real quick. Uh, uh, when I came to the U.S. Uh, you know, 99, boom time, I have been having phenomenal experiences. Everyone welcomed me. I never felt I was from India. It was just absolutely stunning. And I never felt I was Indian. And I never looked at someone else and said, oh, you're American. Oh, you're African, etc." And so my wife, who does a lot of cross-cultural stuff, uh, she sends interns abroad for education, said you know, traveling abroad is a lot like raising a child. When you have a child, the first few experiences that parents try and bring around the child dictates how you look at life. So to me, that was an eye-opener for a second, because if I had come to the US and someone said, you're brown, can you step aside in the security line? I want to check you, and I'm not sure if you're really a good guy. I would have probably said, oh, you know, this country is looking at me differently, and I would have probably stereotyped everyone in America saying, oh, you know, they're discriminating. But it didn't happen that way. And so the same way it's with a child, you know, I have a three-year-old now, and how and what she's experiencing and how you're raising her is really important at the end of the day to lay that foundation where she perceives life in a different way. So web experiences are similar like that, especially when it's so noisy and cluttered today. I come in, I need to understand right away how it works. Don't make me spend too much time learning it. And that's one of the reasons I think Twitter is pretty amazing is you just get in, you sign up, you can just post something, and you're done. You've you've experienced Twitter. That's pretty much it at the end of the day. Um, So that first experience and that interface, if you will, and the interaction that you have, you know, the interaction I had coming to America was absolutely phenomenal. And I think that led me to, now if someone discriminates and pulls me aside, I'm like, that's fine. You know, it's not going to bother me at all. So you're more forgiving once you've had really great first few experiences. So to me that's really, really important and with CrossLoop 2 we do the same thing. The first thing that usually typically people do is come and download our software. And that's really small, it takes, you know, less than a minute to download it and you're boom up and running and you can start using it with anyone you know. You don't even have to engage with our expert helpers initially. So. So that's, I think, probably a good time to wrap up for now. If you guys have more questions, and mm-hmm. probably it seems I'm getting some signs that I should shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Clear to me that I haven't done enough rearranging of you you've got a few others. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, 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 your last name, right? Yeah. <laughs>